Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's January 3rd, 1946, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. To British radio listeners during World War II, William Joyce's nasal upper crust draw was one of the most familiar voices on the air. But although his voice was indistinguishable from the average 1940s BBC radio announcer, the man listeners nicknamed Lord Haw-Haw was in fact a Nazi propagandist broadcasting from the heart of the Third Reich, and his career came to a definitive end today in history in 1946 when he was hanged at Wandsworth Prison. Yeah, I mean, that's the fate that no radio personality wants to countenance, isn't it? I mean, I've, I've done some bad shows. That's being cancelled. <laughs> yeah. It was the original cancelled act. <laughs> yeah, giving evidence at the inquest later, Sir Bernard Spilsbury said that the death was instant and the governor of the prison said that Joyce made no complaints. And I thought... Well, of course he didn't. <laughs> like, he got hanged. <laughs> There's no, like, opportunity for complaining. <laughs> and he was hanged by Albert Pierpoint, the famous... Celebrity hangman. Celebrity hangman, Albert Pierpoint. <laughs> um, and there was one gruesome detail, which is that the force of the drop from the scaffold burst open his face scar. Wow. <sighs> wow. If you're in any danger of feeling sorry for William Joyce at this point, I'll quote what he allegedly said upon being sentenced to death. In death as in life, I defy the Jews who caused this last war. <laughs> That's what he said in wow. 1946. Um, so, uh, he really couldn't read you know, the room. Let's, let's bring this back in a bit. Um, <laughs> okay, so he was an enormously famous person from Germany. He broadcast anti-British propaganda. And before the Blitz happened there was an appetite to just kind of hear the other perspective. Well, that's the remarkable thing, isn't it? That his audience reach was so enormous. He uh, had an audience that sometimes amounted to 50% of the British listening public. You know, there were other options for listening to things that weren't Nazi propaganda, but people (laughs) tuned in partly because he was regarded as being actually quite likeable. Yeah, the confusing part is that the nickname Lord Haw-Haw was actually given to a series of Axis propagandists. And this is actually quite common. If you've ever heard of Tokyo Rose or Axis Sally, they were actually generic nicknames that were used for multiple broadcasters. So, Axis Sally, didn't she used to do the travel on Steve Rose? <laughs> <laughs> And the first Lord Haw-Haw was apparently actually a German, a guy called Wolf Mittler. He was a German journalist who had gone to school in England. He spoke perfect English with a cut glass accent. He signed off his broadcast with hearty cheerios, which is the kind of thing that someone who thinks they speak really perfect English might say. I mean, it is more approachable than Heil Hitler, you have to say. (laughs) He's like, I want something that starts with an H, though, definitely. Um, And and he was the one to whom the nickname Lord Haw-Haw was initially given by the Daily Express's radio 
radio critic Jonah Barrington, but Mittler actually wasn't a particularly keen Nazi. So he was replaced by a guy called Norman Bailey Stewart, who was this British army officer who actually, interestingly, started spying for Germany before the Nazis came to power. He fell in love with a German woman and started sharing weapons blueprints with Germany in like the early 30s. But he was judged as not being charismatic enough and they turned to Joyce, who had been acting kind of as his on-air wingman, and gave him the show. And the nickname worked because even though uh, he was a different man to the other two prior Lord Hawhaws, um, he had the same... <laughs> Lord Hawhaw, please. <laughs> <laughs> he had the same Bertie Worcesterish kind of energy. But actually, he wasn't even British. Mm. So he was actually half Irish, half American, and then had headed to Germany, having had a very unsuccessful stint as a fascist in the UK. Uh, he'd, he'd risen through the ranks of the British Union of Fascists under Oswald Mosley, but he didn't like Mosley and he didn't think they were anti-Semitic enough. Uh, so he created his own <laughs> National Socialist Party, which didn't really work in Britain. And in this phony war period where the writing was on the wall, he fled to Germany with his wife, who was also a fascist, to set up shop there. Yeah, in his book Twilight Over England, Joyce wrote, To me it was clear on the morning of the 25th of August, this is in 1939, that the greatest struggle in history was now doomed to take place. It might have been a very worthy cause to stay in England and incessantly work for peace, but I had traditionally acquired or inherited prejudice, which many will think foolish and which may be logically difficult to defend. And so Joyce's programme, Germany Calling, it was broadcast for specifically for a UK and US audience, but it came from a state radio station based in Hamburg. But it consisted of popular music, including jazz, which you wouldn't have been able to hear on any other German stations because it was seen as being too black and too Jewish, but they mm. played it because they wanted to appeal to the, the allied audience. Oh, this darling, <laughs> I'm just listening to this for the jazz. <laughs> I'm not here for the Nazism. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just like a really, really dangerous playboy Um, but there were also you know features and one of them I think might be a clue to the popularity of the programme I mean part of it was the fact that BBC was so heavily censored that people were naturally curious but also there was a feature where Joyce would read out messages home that were sent in from prisoners of war so again it gave people a reason Mm. to tune in you know if you had someone in one of those prisoner of war camps and you thought they might be able to send you a message because again prisoners were able to send mail through the Red Cross but it was heavily censored as well if there was even a tiny chance that you might hear from a loved one in a non-censored fashion, you can see why somebody might decide to tune in just on the off chance. It just seems weird to be sympathetic to the guy who is on the same team as the captors. But hold on, isn't that exactly the media mode that we're still in? I mean, aren't you just describing George Galloway or Nigel Farage or Milo Yiannopoulos or, you know, anyone who's a controversialist who says things that are clearly being funded and backed by people with whom you may not agree but has a compelling way of saying it that is the genre of talk radio that still exists today in a way it must have cut the tension as well in wartime britain when what you could do and say was more strictly regulated by law than it would have been in peacetime you know we always talk about blitz spirit now but if you think actually then it must have felt quite oppressive to feel like it wasn't acceptable to voice any doubts about the official narrative or to to say you know i'm afraid we might not win this war plus i think there's also a simple sensitivity that people who are being fed propaganda feel you know, you you are aware of the narrative that is being put in your brain and it's not 
necessarily the thing that you want to do is just ingest it without having some sort of sense of like, yeah, I've had the opportunity to think about it. And those sorts of feelings were summed up by an RAF airman who said at the time, he talks a lot of cock and 75% of his statements are either lies or propaganda, but occasionally he hits the nail on the head. And it's really fascinating how he started to lean into his celebrity status. It was on the 3rd of April, 1941, where he was getting an audience of apparently 18 million Brits said that they occasionally listened and 6 million said they listened regularly. So on 3rd of April, 1941, he unveiled his true identity on air. Feeling he was kind of liking it, he announced himself as William Joyce, otherwise known as Lord Haw Haw, and he also started having his wife in the studio sometimes, you know, Lady Haw Haw, of course. Well, he was an entertainer, and that's, again, something that gets missed when you look at his execution for treason. <laughs> you, you sort of forget that <laughs> people were attracted to him. out entertainer. <laughs> you forget that people were attracted to him because he plays with the audience in a way that, of course, the BBC would never do. If you listen back to some of his stuff, it's on YouTube. He's kind of like, um, he talks slower than the BBC Mm. received pronunciation. He's more gossipy. He's more intimate. He's menacing. He's funny. He's just very compelling. But the good times couldn't last forever. I feel like we've I feel like we've almost paid tribute to his broadcasting career at this point. His very last broadcast, I have to say, was not his best. It was the 30th of April 1945. The Allies were actually entering Hamburg as he was making the broadcast. He was audibly drunk and rambling. You know, he didn't go out on a high, guys. You know, it's not one for the best of compilation. <laughs> and in fact, once he'd fled the studio, BBC correspondent Winford Vaughan Thomas, who was with the advancing Allied troops, he came into the studio where he found Joyce's script and a bottle of gin standing on the desk. Wow. Yeah, and then he took to the mic. This is fabulous. This is what Vaughan Thomas said on the radio to Lord Hawhaw's listeners in Britain. This is Germany calling, calling for the last time from Station Hamburg, and tonight you will not hear views on the news by William Joyce, for Mr Joyce, Lord Hawhaw, to most of us in Britain, has been most unfortunately interrupted in his broadcasting career and at present has left rather hurriedly for a vacation... An extremely short vacation if the second British army has anything to do with it. (laughs) And in his place, this is the BBC calling all the long-suffering listeners in Britain who for six years have had to put up with the acid tones of Mr Joyce speaking over the same wavelength that I'm using to talk to you now. Wow, that's good. (laughs) So he was then taken to Britain to face trial for war crimes, but he'd fraudulently obtained his British passport. So there was then a debate of could he face trial for treason if he's not really British? Yeah, he'd lied about his birthplace. He was born in America. He'd lied about that to get his British passport. So his defence was that he couldn't be tried for treason because he wasn't actually a citizen of the country. The prosecution argued that having a British passport had entitled him to the rights of a British subject, such as consular representation while he was living in Germany, and thus it came with the associated duties, such as not committing treason. The historian AJP Taylor pointed out that the usual punishment for making a false declaration to obtain a passport at the time was a £2 fine. If he hadn't lied on that form, he might have lived. (laughs) £2 fine and you should be hung from the neck until you are dead. (laughs) (laughs) Tomorrow. A lot of people in the architecture industry do feel like big spires are cheating. Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 